Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Andy Davis, on how memorizing Scripture impacts your life and ministry. And memorizing entire books of the Bible has has shaped my theology and my approach as I preach. It also has shaped my soul. It's helped me to fight sin. It's helped me in my prayer life, helped me in evangelism. Andy Davis, next. North Carolina pastor Andy Davis says when God's Word abides in believers, it overflows with blessings for everyday life. Many Christians have individual verses stored up in their hearts, but he says there can be even greater benefit to memorizing long passages, even entire books of the Bible. Pastor Andy Davis is author of How to Memorize Scripture for Life, from one verse to entire books. Andy, how did you embark on this journey of Scripture memorization, and how has it impacted you? I was raised in a Roman Catholic um, church and family in eastern Massachusetts, and um, I was taught accurately and rightly about about the, the Trinity, about God, about the facts of Jesus' life, but I didn't know the gospel, and I wasn't saved. I wasn't converted. I went to MIT to study mechanical engineering, and a fraternity brother there uh, started sharing the gospel with me uh, about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, you know, at first I was interested and then I was uh, annoyed, uh, irritated and enjoyed being around the guy because I was under conviction. Uh, But after a year, I finally came to Christ my junior year at MIT and I was discipled through Campus Crusade for Christ by just one of the key people in my life, uh, a man named Tim Schumann. And uh, he believed in doing scripture memory, uh, individual verses. And they used the Navigator's topical memory system, which had uh, key verses put on little cards, little flashcards. And and so I started really right from the beginning of my Christian life memorizing key verses. I remember the first was 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, everything has become new. So that was the first verse I ever memorized, and then others uh, came and followed. But as I continued to be discipled in the movement, I, I saw veteran memorizers that had these snap rings of maybe a hundred cards that navigators had put out. These little cards—they looked like you know keys on a janitor's key ring, you know—and they just got it got a little unwieldy, um, you know, and and it's hard to keep them all straight. And so somewhere in there, I graduated and all that, I started having the idea of memorizing a whole book of the Bible. And so I was on a mission trip uh, in the summer of 1986, two years after I graduated from MIT, and I was sitting on a bench waiting for a bus. And uh, I had my pocket Bible with me, and I had time to spend, and I started on Ephesians. And I used the same kind of approach I'd used to memorize individual uh, verses, but I just extended it to Ephesians. And I worked on it that whole summer. When I came back, I was midway through chapter three and I just continued. So that was in the summer of of 86 and it's been a lifetime journey since Mm -hmm. then. Um, It is the most, I would say easily the most significant spiritual discipline that I've ever done in my life, that it has shaped my my soul, my mind. And now that I'm, you know, I've been a pastor here for 25 years, I'm a sequential expositor. I go from passage after passage in books of the Bible and memorizing entire books of the Bible has has shaped my theology and my approach as I preach. It also has shaped my soul. It's helped me to fight sin. It's helped me in my prayer life, helped me in evangelism. And so I, I, I vigorously commend this to, um, I'm near a seminary, to young men getting ready to be pastors and individual Christians as well. So I've been doing this a long time. Uh, you mentioned Ephesians, of course. What other books have you memorized? 
Well, um, I'm I'm in my 46th book, mm. so it's a, a long list. Um, yep. So uh, I w- I've memorized 26 out of the 27 books of the New Testament. The one that's left is Luke. And I've got seven chapters or six chapters of Luke done, so I have to, you know, do the rest. Um, and I've done uh, a good number of Old Testament books, all the minor prophets. Uh, I've done Deuteronomy, Isaiah, um, some of the other, uh, you know, books. I just did Ezekiel uh, last year. That was a very hard book. Um, and so, yeah, a lot. So uh, my next book uh, would be, I think, some like 47, something like that. But I want you to understand or listeners to understand, I don't I don't retain these books. I don't hold on to them. I recite them for 100 days and then I let them go. Um, so the, they're, they're in my subconscious and, and frequently individual verses will come out, but I don't try to hold on to whole books like that. Okay. And, and, and early on, you mentioned MIT, and when you say MIT people, certain things come to mind. I mean, is this kind of memorization, is this what you're suggesting, uh, is this the kind of thing the average person can do? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody with an average, average mind, average memory can do it. Um, you know, I think that what I've done is unique. I, I, you know, someone likened me, they were talking to me, likened me to like an Ironman triathlete, and not everybody's going to do that kind of thing. And I, I understand that. Uh, Ezekiel would be one of the last books I would commend to a beginner to try to memorize. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prophetic visionary genre is extremely challenging to memorize. It's 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 nonlinear. It's very, very difficult. And it's a long book. It's 48 chapters. Um, so, no, no, I, I think epistles are a good place to start. But, yeah, I believe with all my heart people with average intelligence can do it. The issue is not the memory and the mind. The issue is the hard work and the willpower, the staying with it. I've said many, many times, and I'll say it again, the enemy of scripture memorization is giving up. Just giving up is the problem. So it's not a lack of intellect or whatever. It's just that people get tired in the labor, and it is hard work. Well, uh, tell us uh, what scripture has to say about it, uh, Andy. People might be wondering, well, I'm trying to rack their mind. Does scripture suggest or command uh, scripture memory? You know, I've come back and forth on the word command or commend. Um, It definitely, uh, the Bible definitely commends memorization. I think there are clear commands in the Bible than thou shalt memorize scripture. I don't think that. But mm-hmm. I actually do believe that there are a number of passages that so strongly command that it goes over, in my mind, uh, to a command. I'll give you an example. Uh, probably the strongest is is John 15, 7, and 8. And that's that's my home base for anybody that says, well, root this in scripture. Why should? Why do you think I should memorize? And, and I go to the vine and the branches teaching. Jesus, um, you know, uh, talks about abiding in him or dwelling in him or remaining him, different translations. And the idea is an intimate, close relationship with Jesus based on scripture, ultimately, but based on faith. And we are to remain or dwell close to Jesus. He is the vine and we are merely the branches. If we are uh, abiding in him, uh, then we can live a healthy life. Now, key to that is uh, John 15, 7 and 8. And there Jesus said, if you remain or dwell or abide in me and my words, plural, remain or dwell or abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit and so prove yourselves to be my disciples. So whereas you're not going to see grammatically an imperative, it's more given an if-then approach it seems like a command for the healthy Christian life. If you want to be one of his disciples and bear much much fruit, then his words should dwell or remain or abide in you. 
and you should be a person of prayer. So the word leads to prayer, and the combination of saturation in the word and a healthy prayer life ends up in an abundant fruit. And in that fruitfulness, we show that we actually are his disciples, because earlier in the passage, he said he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. And those branches are are collected and burned in the fire, picture of judgment. And so fruitless people, literally no fruit means you're not alive, you're not a Christian. And so, therefore, it is essential to bear fruit. Now, I just press in on the phrase, uh, my words, my nouns, my verbs, my adjectives, my adverbs, dwell, live, remain in you. That means you remember them. It means you know what they are, and that tends toward memorization. And you give uh, numerous other scriptures from Colossians 3 and Proverbs 7, James 1, and Psalm 119, I I think, is a a very familiar one to a lot of people. It has, I think, has to do with uh, the issue, perhaps, of... Uh, temptation and so on, but if you could talk about that one too. Yeah, yeah, Psalm 119, 9 and 11, that's a a pairing that usually comes up. Psalm uh, 119 itself is a masterpiece, Uh, 176 uh, verse uh, psalm laid out in the pattern of the 22 uh, letters of of the Hebrew alphabet, and and in in couplets of like, or patterns of eight um, stanzas, uh, with all of the first eight verses beginning with the first letter, Aleph, and then Beit, and then Gimel, it just goes through all. It's just a celebration of mm-hmm. the Word. And every like every verse in Psalm 118, except like three of them, mention God's written Word. And they're all, I think, except maybe two or three of them, couched as prayers. Um, you this and you that. They're given in the second person. Um, so, uh, it's a combination of the word and prayer, just like we saw in the vine and branches teaching. So it's a beautiful statement. But Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? And then two verses later, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So again, I think that strongly commends memorization. So there's no command in there. But the psalmist is saying, That's how I want to keep my way pure and that is by storing up God's Word. And so, therefore, that becomes the sword of the Spirit in your hand as you fight against Satan and against demonic forces in Ephesians 6. So, I think that definitely commends memorization. Well, the book is How to Memorize Scripture for Life, from one verse to entire books. My guest is the author, Pastor Andrew Davis of First Baptist Church in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, well, Andy, you've talked about uh, some of them, but I'm wondering if we can talk about, we'll talk about the process, of course, uh, shortly, but some of the other benefits of memorizing Scripture. I mean, I'll just throw a few out. Building discernment, biblical worldview, decision-making, counseling. For sure. Uh, for me, it all starts with the value of the Word of God, period, in the Christian life. It just start starts with that. How valuable is the written Word in our Christian lives? And fundamentally, we would know literally nothing about Jesus Christ apart from the written Word. There's no other source of information. There is a source of information about the Creator God in creation, but not about the Trinity or about the second person of the Trinity and very clear in Romans 10, no one can call on the name of a Lord that they've never heard of, and no one can hear unless somebody uh, proclaims that message. And so uh, a few verses later, it says, faith comes from hearing the word. So our faith in Jesus begins in the written word, and then I believe it's sustained and nourished continually in the written word. So simply becoming a Christian and then daily walking with Jesus is essentially tied to the word of God. And so, as much as we can immerse ourselves in the Word of God, we will have an abiding love relationship with Jesus Christ. 
But beyond that, we're told in Romans 12 that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so that's not just a, a quick light touch with the word, but that it's a, a full immersion in the word, a, a meditation on it, a dealing with it deeply. You mentioned Psalm 1 earlier is one of the verses I used for scripture memorization. And it says, it says um, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night now if you just stop and think about it before the gutenberg press um a, a physical literal copy of the bible would have been prohibitively expensive for most people a very very expensive only kings and wealthy people could have one and that would include back in jesus day and before in the time of the jews back then the torah and and just the written word it would just there'd be one of them and it would be kept permanently at the synagogue so if you're going to meditate on God's word day and night, you need to have it stored up in your mind and your heart. And so fundamentally, though, if you meditate on God's word day and night, you will be blessed in everything you do. Psalm 1 promises a comprehensive blessing on everything you put your hand to um, based on the word of God. And again, I'm not a prosperity gospel teacher. I'm no. not saying that you become physically wealthy or healthy. It's that you will flourish as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so fundamentally, there's that. People ask, now look, I've got my Bible on my smartphone. Why do I have to memorize it? I can click anytime I want and get to it. It's like, but look, there's a big difference between having it out there at arm's length and having it glowing and on fire and, and just moving in your mind and heart. Mm -hmm. And memorization does that. Um, so it's an immersion in the Word of God. Uh, I think it also helps you over a lifetime. And I do advocate a whole lifetime of memorization for your whole life. Um, storing up these verses, it shapes and molds your theology. It's what I call building a city of truth in your mind, one verse at a time. You start to see like a, a great metropolis of truth um, that touches all kinds of subtopics um, from major topics like God, the you know. Uh, Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinity, the deity of Christ, et cetera, down to details of, of your time and your money and your parenting, your marriage, your prayer life, your civic duties, everything the Bible touches on, uh, there's this whole system of interconnected truths that just grows the more you give full attention and meticulous attention to the Word of God. So you've got that. You've got a theology that's growing and building. You also just have a good understanding of, of each book of the Bible. I memorize whole books, and I memorize every single verse in whole book so i get to see what i call the forest and the trees which is i get to see the big picture of the book of romans and then how each verse in every chapter fits into that flowing uh that unfolding argument in romans and so it's magnificent to just see both the details and the big picture uh, of the bible uh, beyond that evangelism uh, you've got verses ready to go to share with the person sitting next to you on the airplane uh, i like to memorize miracle stories and so like the story of the four friends that let the paralyzed man down through the roof and jesus it says when jesus saw their faith he said to the paralyzed man take heart son your sins are forgiven that leads you right into a gospel conversation and it's interesting non-christians want to hear a story like that it's a fascinating story mm -hmm. uh, so it helps with evangelism counseling you know, I, I meet with couples, uh, marital, you know, marital issues, people struggling with sin, you know, internet pornography, addictions, different things, and I'm able to give good biblical counsel. I don't just give counsel out of my opinion. I say, you know, it says in Romans 6 that we're not slaves to sin and, and that we can progressively weaken sin by putting it to death by the power of the Spirit. You know, these are all things coming directly from Scripture, so many other things besides.
Well, Andy, what are some major, uh, well, hindrances, or, or I, I hate to call them excuses, but people sure. have for, for not doing that, they're probably in their minds right now. I mean, we're weak. Let's let's be yeah. honest. We're just weak. We're sinners, and and we make excuses for everything. Um, they're just excuses. Um, it is hard work. I'm not shying back from this. It, it's hard, and I have good days and bad days. Some mm-hmm. days my mind is sharp and clear, and other other days it's murky, and I'm I'm tired mentally, and it's it's not easy. Um, Ezekiel was hard for me. It was a hard book to memorize, and and I I had lots of frustrations with it. Um, it didn't stick very well. And and so it, it was. It it is hard work, and because it's hard work, people get weary in it. They get discouraged, mm-hmm. and they give up. You know, and and so I think that's it. People make make excuses. They say, "Well, I'm busy," which is no excuse at all. I mean, we are given 168 hours a week. We've get, given 24 seven. You know, and yeah. we just make choices about how to spend them. You know, it's a stewardship choice that we make. And if you if something is important to you, you will make time for it. I'm not advocating a huge chunk of time here. I'm talking about for the average person somewhere between 15 to 45 minutes a day at most, probably. And 45 would be a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something like between 15 and 30 minutes a day. And frankly, of that, only about half of it, focus time in which you're doing nothing but that by the time you get pretty good at reciting some of your old verses you can do it while driving or while mowing the lawn or running or something like that so it doesn't actually add anything to your time it just multiplies your time so i would say people make excuses saying they're busy um you know i would say there's some telling excuses where they say they're just not that interested yeah and i think you've got a problem there that has nothing to do with memorization if the word of god and all of its majesty and its truth and its depth and its beauty and its compelling messages, its promises, its warnings, its instructions is not interesting to you, then then you have sin problems in your life. I'm not talking memorization now. I'm talking about the Word of God. People are, you know, I'm just not that interested in the Word of God. Um, I would find that extremely dangerous. I think at that point, a lot of hardening of the heart has come on, mm-hmm. where people just aren't that interested in what it says about Christ or about heaven or about anything. And I think most most Christians would not go so far as to say that. But I think we are worldly. We we watch a lot of movies, a lot of sports. We do a lot of secular stuff, which isn't sinful. It just takes up the, our our heart space. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, we're not we're just not that interested. Other excuses people make, um, you know, like I said, I don't have a good memory. But people have better memories than they think. And also, I believe two things about that. I think your memory can improve. It can, you know, it's like getting into shape. Mm-hmm. You can say somebody who's not been running or exercising all say, I'm just really not in that good, great shape. I know that's the problem. So start working at it. And a year from now, you could be running a 10K. You know, a year from now, you could you could you could see yourself grow. I think the exact same thing happens with memorization. You get better and better at it. And then finally, most especially in Luke 24, it says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Jesus has the power to open your mind and heart and enable you to memorize better than you ever thought you could do. And, and I, I don't know if you touched on this specifically, but as you as you memorize the scriptures, you said that, that obviously there's a direct connection there between meditating on it because it's already in your mind, it's in your heart, and then uh, insights that the Holy Spirit can show you from that memorized scripture as, as you said, as you may be driving in the car or falling asleep at night or, or whatever you may be doing. 
Oh wow. The insights is why you do it. That's what's that's what sparkles. I look I liken it to like being in a in a diamond mine and you're digging and digging and digging and then you see that little sparkle or something. It's like, wow, that's why I'm doing this. You know, it's so beautiful when you when something new hits you mm -hmm. and it's and it transforms you. And it could be a tiny detail, or it could be something much more significant. I, I mean, the details matter, but they're they're not all equally important. Let me tell you, uh, you know, uh, an example. First of all, let me let me tell you what I mean by by insights. It says in in Ephesians one eighteen, may the eyes of your heart be enlightened, in order that you may know dot dot dot. The enlightenment of the eyes of your heart. I believe eyes of the heart uh, is talking about our faith. I think that's what it is. May that may your your eyes your inward eyes, your spiritual eyes, which is your faith, be enlightened. Those are these beautiful aha moments where suddenly you see something you've never seen before. So let me give you a, a number of examples. Yeah. One of them was, I was memorizing the Gospel of Mark, and it says that when Jesus died, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And then Mark, in his account, just goes on from there and literally says nothing about it. He doesn't give it any theological significance. He doesn't explain what that means. He doesn't talk about any of that. And imagine for a moment that Mark was writing, as we believe, to a Gentile audience, maybe even a Roman audience, that knew very little about Jewish background. And yet he doesn't explain the curtain in the temple and what it was there for at all. Why? Because the Holy Spirit basically said to Mark, effectively, it's not your job. It's a division of labor. I will fully explain all of that in the book of Hebrews. And so it's a division of labor where he explains fully the significance of the Holy of Holies and the and the barrier between the holy place and the most holy place and the new and living way open for us in the body of Christ. All Mark needed to do is tell us historically when Jesus died, the curtain in the temple was torn, and not just torn, but torn into from top to bottom. And it just showed me a division of labor hmm. in the Bible as a whole. And Bill, it led me to ask significant questions about every book of the Bible, and it's been incredibly helpful for me as a preacher. For example, what is the purpose of the book of Job? What is the purpose of the book of Ecclesiastes? What, why did the Holy Spirit include this in the canon? And it's been so helpful. Job is there to help us to suffer well. Ecclesiastes, I think, is there to tell us how meaningless life would be if there is no resurrection from the dead. I could go on. All four Gospels are given the same purpose statement in John 20. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing have life in his name. Romans is about the Gospel. It's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. What does that mean? And just being able to, to think about the purpose of each book of the Bible came from that one insight that Mark didn't explain the tearing of the curtain. So... Mm. Those kind of insights. Yeah, thank you. Well, how do you suggest uh, we begin? How do we get started? All right, so the key to memorization is simple. It's repetition over time. It's hard work, but it's a simple process. You just repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat until you got it. And so um, I just kind of, I don't know, codify that in the in the, the pattern. The original version of this pamphlet was something I wrote for discipling here at our church, and then it was published in an earlier version by another um, publisher, but Crossway is a great publisher, and they took hold of this, and I think it will have a wider a wider range now, it's, but it's essentially the same pamphlet uh, or booklet. Um, and so it's just a matter of, of repetition. I went with 10, the number 10. There's nothing magic about the number 10, but you read a verse 10 times, you say it 10 times. That's the first day. 
And then the next day you do yesterday's new verse 10 times without looking as best you can. If you have to look, look. But then once you got it, it's like yesterday's verse 10 times and then the new verse. You read it 10 times, say it 10 times. Now you have two verses. And then the third day you do yesterday's verse 10 times. You do all the verses you know up to that point once, and then you do the new verses, read it 10 times, say it 10 times. You could reverse the order of these steps, but that's what I usually do. All right, so let's imagine that chapter one of the book you're memorizing has 31 verses. So that means, let's say you don't miss a day, and it's January. So means on January 31st, you would do verse 30 10 times, because that was yesterday's verse. You would do verse 31, if you do that next, read it 10 times, say it 10 times. Then you do all 31 verses once, and you do that for 100 days. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Every verse you've learned, you say them for 100 consecutive days, and then you drop them off. You let them go. And what I say, you kiss them goodbye. And so I just keep records of when I memorize something. I try not to miss days. People can take days off. That's fine. But just you don't want to take too many days off because it gets cold. And so, you know, I just keep it going. And then the 100 days is where the work happens. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the hard work. Yeah. And that's where it accumulates. But in doing it only for 100 days, it doesn't get unwieldy. You can drop off the earlier stuff as you're learning new stuff. And that's how I made it through the whole 48 uh, chapters of Ezekiel. You know, you know three, I did three verses a day. So read it 10 times, say it 10 times, et cetera, and then 100 days and then kiss it goodbye. Well, and we haven't talked much about this, maybe just uh, touched on it, but the, but the whole issue of how it enables you to kind of navigate what's going on around you, say, in, in the culture, things that are yeah. constantly happening, and how am I supposed to think about this as a Christian? And you've, you, you've, you've got all of these uh, truths that you've committed to memory to as sort of as that grid mm -hmm. to think about what you're uh, reading. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm a firm believer in the sufficiency of Scripture for everything we need in the Christian life. And so let's let's go right to uh, something that's really hot on people's minds, mm -hmm. and that is uh, 2024 is a presidential election year. And the politics, uh, I've never seen politics uh, more divisive uh, in the evangelical yeah. world. You know, it's just very, very divisive. But some years ago, I memorized the book of Daniel, and I'm actually doing on our my, my website, by the way, I want, to, I want to commend it. It's Two Journeys, uh, www.twojourneys.org. All of my sermons, manuscripts, a lot of uh, book booklets and writings are there for free. So I'll just commend that to your listeners, twojourneys.org. Um, and that's where my stuff is. But right now we're doing a podcast on Daniel. And my basic premise, if I were to if I were to ask that same question I asked earlier about the book of Job or Ecclesiastes or the Gospels, what is the purpose of the book of Daniel? Why is it in the canon? I would say it is to teach God's people how to function with wicked secular governments, mm. uh, governments that are like monstrous beasts coming up out of the sea that want to trample and destroy the people of God. And knowing where it sits in redemptive history, that the Jews were in exile in Babylon, and Daniel was one of the exiles, and yet he was a significant governmental figure in a pagan government, a Babylonian government, and then the Medo-Persian government. Here is an individual who functioned well, but did not capitulate. He, didn't, he did not yield to the immorality or wickedness or paganism. He maintained his prayer life. He maintained his life of holiness. He was useful to them. Uh, he was a tremendous administrator. I mean, one of the best. Um, but he did. He was never. He never compromised. And so, fundamentally, the Book of Daniel teaches us to not be afraid of anything going on in secular government. Even the most wicked, horrific governments are under the sovereign control and power of God. And so, fear not. 
Be involved as God leads you. Some will be hugely involved as Daniel uh, was. Others will be not so much involved. But none of us should fear. We should be people of faith, knowing that God is sovereign and that in the end, the saints will get the kingdom and we will rule on earth under the sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's a that's a great outcome. But between now and then, there's going to be a tremendous amount of suffering because these governments really do crush the people of God. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, North Carolina pastor Andy Davis, author of How to Memorize Scripture for Life, from one verse to entire books. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again on Monday at this same time for another edition of His People.